So take your Bibles, and if you'll turn to the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter 13. Now, we have put uh, little trays underneath uh, your chairs, and so uh, about every other tray uh, there, uh, about every other chair, you'll find a, a, a written copy of God's Word. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, uh, either under your chair or the chair, the chair in front of you, just go ahead and take a copy of it, and, um, and we're going we're gonna to read Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. Matthew 13, 1 through 23. I don't have the verses on the screen. I, I, if you could open your Bibles or open your phones and let's take a look at the scripture. Um, and I, I just want to read Matthew 13. It's page 818 in your church Bibles, verses 1 through 23. Matthew 13, verses 1 through 23. Hear these words from the Word. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see. Hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it hear then the parable of the sower 
When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another, sixty, and in another, thirty. This is God's word. Amen, amen, yeah, yeah. Parables. Parables. Let's talk about parables. Why? Why parables? Well, our vision as a church is that, that uh, in the passionate pursuit of Christ, there's life change. There's life change. And so in keeping with our vision as a congregation, I just, I just want us to, to study this and the parables of Jesus, and I, I just want to front load what this text is, is calling us to do. If you're, if you're looking for a theme for the upcoming school season, if you're looking for a theme for, for the rest of this year and taking you on into next year and the rest of your life for that matter, I can do more, no, I can do no better than to encourage us the word of this parable, which is simply this, listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Let the one who has ears, let him hear. Listen to Jesus, loved by the Father, granted all authority over all peoples of all tribes and all nations and all tongues, King of heaven and earth, the one who rescued us from the dominion of darkness and saved us from death and hell and the works of the devil. He was passionate to be our Savior. He died to be our God. He resurrected to declare us innocent of all charges. When you're struggling, when you're in strife, when you're in your victories, when you're in your defeats, when you lose yourself in the moment, in things that are overwhelming, do what is wise. Here, listen to Jesus. That's what the parable, that's what this parable, that's what the parables tell us. Listen to Jesus. Now, we've just read and heard what's been called the watershed of the parables the parable of parables the parable of the sower jesus himself identified this as the parable of the sower you can see that in verse 18 here then the parable of the sower and jesus claimed that hearing and grasping the meaning and understanding of this parable is prerequisite to hearing and grasping the meaning of any of the other parables. So this is parable 101. Got to get this parable if you're going to get the other parables. 
And for that matter, the, the word of God. Jesus himself said this. this. This parable shows up in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Mark chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus said, Do you not understand this parable? Speaking about the parable of the sower. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So there's something about the sower parable that helps us hear and see and appreciate all of the other parables of Christ. And so I want to spend this week and next week on this parable. And this morning, I just simply want to answer three questions. Question number one, what are parables? Let's define our terms. What is a parable? Okay. Question number two, what do parables do? Well, what is Jesus doing with the parables that he's speaking? What's he doing with his words? What's a parable do? And then thirdly, what, what's Jesus' vision for us in, in the parables, in, in this parable? Okay, so, and, 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 and what would it take to obtain it? All right, so what's a parable? What's it do? And, and how can I obtain Jesus' vision for my life in, in his parables? Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Nine months from now, you will have attained some sort of harvest, some sort of goal, nine months from now. And, and you may be saying to yourself, yeah, I have this particular goal. Yeah, yeah, okay. That, so, so the time, Lord willing, is coming, right? right? So, and, and some may say, well, I don't have any goals at all. Well, that, that time, the, the time is coming, okay? The clock is ticking. So what is it that vision do you have of your life nine months from now six by by christmas you, you'll blink it'll be here you know that so this is a, this is a parable that offers a vision of flourishing for your life anybody want to have a hundredfold life anybody interested in that now i'm not a health and wealth preacher you know that but I am a hundredfold preacher, or a sixtyfold preacher, or a thirtyfold preacher, and that that involves a harvest of of various categories, which might include financial. I don't know, but but are you interested in a hundredfold life? That's what I want to know. See, this parable speaks to the vision God wants in our life. What is a parable? What do parables do? And what's this parable's vision for our life? So let's go to work, all right? Question number one, what's a parable? What is a parable? Verse three says, he told them many things in parables. Well, let's, let's define the word. Let's look at the word. The word parable in the English comes from, uh, from a word parabolo, parabolo, para, para, alongside, balo, throw, cast. So put them together and you're throwing or you're you're tracking or you're aligning something beside something else and in this case as we've read you are taking something earthy taking something that's common in life you're taking something that's familiar to people and alongside that is revealed a reality so I would submit to you that a parable is an earthly story about a heavenly reality. Earthly story, heavenly reality. So the realities of heaven, the realities of the unseen world, 
are revealed through the everyday stuff of earth. And what could be more everyday than seeds sown on farmland? I mean, we get that, don't we? And in Jesus' day, you know, they didn't have those swanky planters. And farmers back then, they weren't persnickety like farmers today. I mean, we, the farmers today, they like to plant in straight rows. They like to have tight corners. Not in Jesus' day. The farmer was the planter, had a bag, scooped the hand in the bag, got out the seeds, and broadcast the seed. That's how they did it back then. Oh, and I learned that back then, plowing might occur before but always after sowing. So you might have a farmer that would just sow the field and then later plow it up to get the seed in. Or you'd have a farmer that would plow and then scatter the seed and then plow a little bit more and then cover the seed. They just kind of, but it was labor intensive. And it's what they knew. And it was every day. It was common. So Jesus' parables were about sowing and growing. Jesus told parables about, about seeds and weeds. And there's parables about nets uh, hauling in fish. And there's parables, parables about a son, two sons that lose their way. One son loses his way away from home. And the other son loses his way while at home. That's Luke 15. And a gracious father goes to rescue both. Wow. Why, why there, there's, there's a parable about workers, and they show up at 7 a.m. to get hired, and then the, 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 the owner hires them, and then owner goes back and hires them at 9, and then owner goes back and hires them at 11, and then more at 1, and then more at 3 p.m., and then it's quitting time, and they got paid by the day. And so the ones in the morning, they figured they were going to get paid more than the ones at 4 p.m. And they all get the same wage. What? You'll have to read that parable on your own. We'll look at it later. Not today. There's, about a travel, there's a parable about a traveler on a very dangerous road who gets attacked and beaten to the very end of his life and while he's lying there dying two travelers with seminary degrees take a look at that poor soul and they say I got a sermon to preach at church good luck and goes on while a hated enemy a Samaritan gives the guy life Earthly stories, heavenly realities. In Jesus' parables, he's offering an invitation. He's saying, I want to invite you to step into another realm, another dimension, my Father's dimension. I want you to see what he sees. One of my teachers puts it this way. A parable is a picture that becomes a mirror that becomes a window. First you see the parable, then you see yourself, and then you see the truth. Yeah, and it sort of sneaks up on you. Parables do that. Par parable, parables create worlds, and those worlds are real. They're we, we think that this world is all that's real. 
No, Jesus says otherwise. There's an unseen realm. And I want you to see my Father's realm. I want you to experience I want you to feel his reality. So Jesus constructs a house, a palace, a mansion, and he invites us inside. And from inside, we look out the window, and we see what we would otherwise not be able to see. I didn't see that. Lord, but now I do. So, so, so they're not cleverly told religious stories. Parables are portals to a real realm. Uh, one of my other teachers put it this way. Parables are imaginary gardens with real toads. Yeah, parables. So he's not, Jesus isn't opening up a can of chicken soup for the soul when he gives us a parable. He's revealing a glimpse of eternity crashing into time. The parables offer a portal to the kingdom of God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. They are sparks from heaven's fire which Jesus has brought to earth. That's what a parable is. Earthly story, heavenly reality. That's question number one. Question number two is this. What do parables do? So, so what do they do? That's, we talked about what they are, but what do they do? Well, here's what they do. They, they, they create urgency. That's what they do. They, their immediate purpose is to get your attention. They're, and their ultimate purpose is to literally, for Christ's sake, do something. Do something. So, so he tells parables to awaken us, to stimulate the conscience. He, he told parables, uh, um, there, there's just a prophetic authority when Jesus told a parable. Jesus is telling parables because he says, God wants you to start something. He wants you to stop something. He wants you to reconsider something. He wants you to change something. Parables show us who God is and what he's like. And parables will then tell us who we are and who we can become if we will listen to him. And, and so here's what parables do they crystallize commitment parables are about commitment crystallization and that's what's going on in Matthew chapter 13 commitment crystallization let, let me show you what I mean here so so Matthew's gospel the theme is the kingdom of heaven and so in Matthew 1 through 3 we hear about the coming and baptism of the king and then in, in Matthew chapter 4, we learn about the testing of the king, Jesus' testing in the wilderness. And then in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, we read the policy of the king, the king's manifesto. That's the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And then in Matthew chapters 8 through 12, we hear, we see, we witness the policy in play. We hear about kingdom activity. We hear about, in Matthew chapter 8, 11, we hear about Christ's multi-ethnic, multinational kingdom. That people will be coming from as far as the east is from the east, and the west is from the west. They'll be coming together as God's people, God's kingdom. Jesus is healing in Matthew chapters 8, through 12 he's teaching in the synagogue he's announcing the arrival of the kingdom of heaven now hear me hear me hear me when Jesus says kingdom he's not thinking real estate he's thinking the real estate of your heart 
God's kingdom, God's kingdom is about God's rule and reign over your heart. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is wherever what God wants done gets done. That's the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew, Jesus' will is being done. Miracles are being performed. He's teaching. His disciples are gathering. And the people are responding. The people are responding. Some of them want Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we want you. He's, they're leaning into him. Others want nothing to do with Jesus, like the Pharisees and the religious enemies of the law. Still others are excited and, uh, and yet their enthusiasm is no match for the pushback from the world and still others are conflicted. They, they, they want Jesus and and. They, they, so Jesus is an accessory. Okay, uh, uh, They're willing to follow him so that he can be their helper but they're not looking for a leader or a king, or a sovereign. So you have various responses. Are you tracking with me here? So when we get to Matthew chapter 13, the sower parable helps us see from God's perspective how people have been responding to Jesus in chapters 8 through 12. See, see? God has sown his son on the field and... And, and the field of the world, and there are various responses. So Jesus tells this parable, this parable, right? And so and after, he, after he tells the, so after he's been teaching and healing, and, and there are various responses, he tells this parable in verses 1 through 9, and then he says, all right, we'll have the benediction, see you later. And they leave, and the disciples are going, wait, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. Why, why do you speak to them in parables? We heard the Sermon on the Mount. We heard your sermons in the synagogue. We saw you heal. We're gathering followers. We're getting a crowd. Why, 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 why parables? And Jesus' response is, it's time to crystallize commitment. It's time to clarify commitment. It's time to see who really wants to follow. Look at verses 11 through 13. To you, it has been given to know the secrets, the secrets of, Circle that word. Let's define that word. When Jesus uses the word secrets, he's not talking about Dan Brown, Da Vinci Code fiction. Instead, when Jesus says secret, he's talking about an unrevealed truth from God that has now been revealed by the Son of God. So, so when Jesus uses the word secret, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mystery that's no longer a mystery because Jesus has declassified it. There it is. It's been given to you to know the secrets, but to them it's not been given. And then Jesus says this, verse 12, look at it. For the, to the one who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And why is that? Because of their hearts. Their hearts. Jesus, Jesus' parables crystallize the deepest desires of the heart. 
And the fact is, some of them just flat didn't want Jesus. They, they wanted a blesser, not a savior. They wanted Jesus on their terms. And theirs was no inadvertent rejection. It was high-handed rebellion. And so Jesus quotes in verses 14 and 15 from the prophet Isaiah, who had the same problem with Israel 750 years earlier. They just wanted God on their terms. And most of Israel in Isaiah's day closed their ears and shut their eyes. They didn't want to see. They refused to hear. So, so, so why parables then? Parables accelerate and crystallize what is already occurring. It just accelerates and crystallizes what's already occurring. Beware of the parables. Beware of the parables. One of two outcomes can occur. Warning, warning, warning. They can either give sight or take sight. Yeah. Yeah, they can make you even more spiritually blind than you already are. They can further remove the ability to hear the Lord. What a sobering thing. To, to reject the word of the king could further crystallize your proclivity to reject the word of the king. I mean, did you notice where Jesus was when he gave the parable? He's on the shoreline, and, uh, he's in a boat, they're on the shoreline, and, and why is that? Well, yeah, there's a crowd, yeah, 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 and the religious enemies ran him out of the synagogue. They kicked Jesus out of church. And that kind of rejection can lead you to hear a parable about sowing and walk away thinking, what was that about? Is it a story about farming, you know? Duh. So what? Parables can take away sight. They can take away your sight. But they can also clarify your sight. They can give you sight. They, they can sharpen your spiritual hearing. And by hearing and taking in the content of Jesus' realities, you can, you, by, by listening to him, you can see this world for what it is. Some of you remember that old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Well, there is truth to that. But on the other hand, when you see Jesus for who He is, and when you listen to Him to be to be persuaded by him when, when, when you listen to him there's a clarity that you develop about the world and you begin when you see him for who he is you can see this world for what it is and your heart goes out your heart goes out for the brokenness of this world your heart becomes flooded with mercy you see this you see the world then you go back to the word and your sight gets clearer and your ears get keener and and then you go back out to the world and there's this life of going back and forth there's this cycle of flourishing that happens when you take in the word of god and and uh, one word that would describe all of that is the word blessed Blessed, verses 16 and 17. You see that? Jesus says to them, to the disciples, 
But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see see it and hear what you hear and did not hear it so 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 parables can do that beloved parables can bless you they 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 crystallize they they move you from spiritual neutrality to christ-centered fidelity they 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 poke you out of of religious complacency into white hot holy agency and they force the question what do you love most who do you love most And will who you love or what you love most withstand the tests and stress of time? Yeah, so So, so that makes parables uh, spiritual cardio scanners. That's what they are. Spiritual cardio scanners. They, They identify not just the reality of God's realm, but the quality of my heart. They they interrogate me. Uh, Our secular world wants to critique the Bible to see what's acceptable and unacceptable, but Jesus flips the the script. His parables critique the heart. 22 of Jesus' parables start with a question. Who from you? What do you think? How? Many have questions at the end of the story. And, and, And even when... Explicit questions are not stated. The parables are intended to answer them. So, uh, so let, let, let me share with you a quote from uh, uh, Klein R. Snodgrass. No, no relation to Eric that I know of. Uh, but, um, but, but Klein R. Snodgrass wrote a fantastic book on the parables. And, and this is what he wrote. Finding the implied question a parable addresses is key in interpretation. So when you're reading the parables, ask yourself this question, what's the implied question in this parable? This parable is the answer to some question. What is that question? Okay? And that takes me to our third question. Jesus' vision for us in this parable. So, so, so what's the implied question of the parable of the sower? And by the way, some of you are saying, I thought we were going to go through verse by verse this parable this morning. I'm going to get a little more into the parable next week. But here's the deal. You've already been given the explanation of the parable by Jesus. How can I improve upon that, church? You see what I'm saying? So this, this, this parable, and actually the parable of the weeds, later on in the chapter, are, are gifts from Jesus where he explicitly explains the meaning of the parable. So, so, so I do want to ask you what the implied question is. And here's the implied question, here's an implied question in this parable of the sower, and it's simply this. Here it is, here it is. What makes good soil good? What makes good soil good? Big idea coming your way. God's word, hearing hearts, good fields. God's word, hearing hearts, blessed fields. See? So, so, so when the word of God is planted in hearing hearts that hold fast to Christ, those hearts become a bumper crop of blessing. And that's his vision. His vision for us 
is to be a, a, a bumper crop harvest of blessing for one another, for this world, for this community. Exit church, out on Windsor Road, to the right, you'll see this wall of corn. Go up on the hillside, on the east side of our property, and you can get a really beautiful look of the harvest that's about to come. And I want you to say, I want you to, if, if you did nothing else, all right, for your devotions, this week just go see the farmland. And then here's the truth. This is what God wants your life to look like. The blessed field. So God's word, hearing hearts, blessed fields. Blessed fields. That, that his word would so dwell in my life that I become a resource of blessing to others. And, and jump down to verses 51 and 52. Here's another little parable. Look at 51 and 52 on chapter 13. Uh, Jesus gives seven rapid-fire parables in chapter 13. And then in 51, he says, Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. He said, Well, what, what, what does that mean? That means that when you have the Word of God living in your life and flowing in your life, you're like a homeowner who brings out treasure, both old and new. And why do you bring it out? For the purpose of sharing it. Oh, God, oh, here's the goodness that God has given me from the old days and from last week, and I want to share that with you. The, the reason why the secrets of the kingdom have been granted to the disciples is not because the disciples are less sinful. The point is that they are to be ambassadors and agents and distributors of the mercies and goodness of Christ. Their morality didn't make them good soil. No, 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 no. Christ chose them. Christ has chosen us. We've been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. What makes good soil good? Listening. Listening to Jesus. He who has ears, let him hear. It shows up in verse 9. Hearing shows up in verse 9. Spiritual hearing, spiritual taking in shows up in verse 9, verses 13 to 23. I'd say that's significant. So, so, so now let me preach at you before I sit down. Who has your ear? Whose voice? Through audio or video or written words or just old school face-to-face -face talk, whose voice most regularly streams into your ears going down into your heart and into your soul? Whose voice gets your attention? Whose voice focuses you? Whose voice distracts you? Whose voice do you long to hear most? Whose voice do you welcome? Whose voice are you, do you give hospitality to that sacred space that is your ear? It's not a matter of whether words are shaping us. It's whose words. As your pastor who loves you, let me just say more and more, internet-formed Christians are being discipled by partisan politics and secular pop culture. And the outcome of such hearing across our country are divided churches, declining church attendance, and exhausted leaders. Beloved, who has your ear? The, the fight for faith is a fight for your ears. 
And the gospel is foremost a message to hear. Faith comes by hearing. Yeah, yeah. When, when, when Satan tempted the man and the woman in the garden, he did not show them a TikTok video. He spoke. He appealed to what they heard. Who has your ear? Whom you joyfully hear today will be who you become like tomorrow. So let him who has an ear, let him hear. Will, will you please consider letting Jesus' voice in his scriptures be the first voice you hear every day? Would you please consider that? Would you please be willing to welcome his words most? Would you please let his words be your unrushed meditation? Will you, will you pray for and aim to make his word to be central in your heart and in your parenting and in your marriage and in your conversation? Will you? E look, look, even more important than what we keep out of our ears is what we fill them with. And what is more valuable than the word of Christ? Church family, listen to Jesus. The kingdom of heaven comes to those who hear. Take care how you hear. Amen.